to Save Me an Isle Seat, the show that talks about musicals in an understandable and relatable way. I am Katie, and I'm joined by my fellow musical enthusiasts, Amber and Kylie. Hey. Hello. Also joining us is our musical newbie, Matt. Ahoy, mateys. You know, you should have given the, the British one for this one. I was going to say, Oi. yeah, it looks like we have two British ones in a row. Oi. Oi, pop it. Hello there, governor. Is that better? We're going to be hated by the UK. <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you mean? Before We've probably we already a... mispronounced all the, like, town names and everything. Everything, so... yeah. It's... And yeah, people's it's names. Weird. So, we apologize. We're about to do more, so sorry in advance. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Because on this week's episode, we are going over Blood Brothers. Bum, 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 bum. Bum, this one Yay. is also... It's funny enough, on the last episode we mentioned we hadn't really done one that started in the UK. This one also started in the UK. So, just kind of happy uh, circumstance. Consistency. So yeah, so we will be following the 1995 London cast recording, which will be on our Spotify as always. I know generally I, I, I tend to say I like the, the American version better, but this is the one I kind of grew up with. So, this one's more normal for me. So, Blood Brothers was created by Willie Russell, and it, it was originally presented as a school play. It wasn't supposed to go, you know, anywhere past that. He actually described it as, uh, he wrote it for children because it's a challenge. If you can keep their interest, you've done a good job, you know? Mm. Mm. Uh, it was first performed at Fazakurli Comprehensive School in Liverpool in November 1981. He then wrote a score and developed the musical to play at the Liverpool Playhouse in 1983. The cast starred Barbara Dixon, Andrew Schofield, George Costigan, and Andrew C. Wadsworth. Despite the show only being a moderate success, it ended up going to the West End on April 11th, 1983, and ran until October 22nd, 1983. So it did pretty good for, you know, (laughs) not being like super popular. It ended up winning the Olivier Award for Best New Musical and Best Actress in a Musical for Barbara Dixon. This was followed by a 1984 UK tour. It also had a year-long national tour beginning in 1987, and the cast for that included Kiki D, Warwick Evans, Con O'Neill, and Robert Locke. And Con O'Neill actually ended up winning an Olivier Award for Best Actor in a Musical for the 1988 awards, which is super neat. Yeah. So it had a revival with the same cast on July 28th, 1988 at the Albury Theatre, now the Noel Coward Theatre. I moved out of that theater on November 16th, 1991, and transferred to the Phoenix Theater on November 21st, 1991. It celebrated its 10th anniversary at this theater with a gala performance on July 28th, 1998. Pretty cool. Yeah. The show was set to close on October 27th, 2012, but was actually extended by two weeks, so it ended on November 10th, 2012, and it played more than 10,000 performances in London making it the third longest running musical to play in the West End. Wow. Nice. That's amazing. Yes. That's a lot. Considering it was not meant to be that big. Right. It's awesome. And then this UK tour continued until 2013. On April 25th, 1993, uh, the show opened on Broadway at the Music Box Theater and closed on April 30th, 1995, after 840 performances. This saw the London cast make their Broadway debuts, which included Stephanie Lawrence, Con O'Neill, Jan Graveson, Mark Hutchinson, and Warwick Evans. So at one point, to help with publicity, the twins Eddie and Mickey were played by real-life half-brothers David and Sean Cassidy. Pretty cool. Yeah. 
They also returned in the U.S. National Tour from 1994 to 95. The show was nominated for a bunch of Tony Awards in 93, but unfortunately didn't win any of them. Mark Michael Hutchinson, however, did win a Drama Desk Award for Outstanding Featured Actor in a Musical. Nice. So... They got some awards. Mm-hmm. In addition to all of these productions, Blood Brothers also saw life in Australia, South Africa, the Czech Republic, Europe, Mexico, Japan, Korea, and Canada. Yeah, so again, it saw a lot of life despite the fact that he never intended it to get that far. Yeah, right. That's, that's insane. Crazy. I think it's super cool though. That's the little little snowball effect. Just like yeah. caused an avalanche. Yeah, and as far as I know, it hasn't really had many changes. Which is also amazing for a show that started off for a different audience. You know, mm-hmm. it was never, no other writers were ever brought in. And, like, he did it himself, which is super cool. And so with that background out of the way, which, again, is super neat, we are going to go ahead and jump into Act 1. And here we open sometime in the 1960s, where we hear the narrator, who is going to be with us for the whole show. And he asks if we've ever heard the story of the Johnstone twins and their life and their death. And this is the song slash talking point called Overture. We then meet Miss Johnstone. She is a mother of seven who is severely in debt after her husband walks out on her. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, it's seven kids. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's a lot of mouths to feed. (laughs) No thanks. (laughs) No, thank you. I'll pass. So she ends up taking a job as a cleaner for a local high class couple, Mr. and Mrs. Lyons. She soon finds out that she is pregnant, but she can barely afford to raise another child. So she, you know, got pregnant before her husband left, obviously. And this revelation sends her into memories of how she ended up getting to this point in her life. So in the song Marilyn Monroe, we hear about how she met her ex-husband at a dance. He said she was as pretty as Marilyn Monroe, and they soon were pregnant, which forced them to get married. So he was a big old flirt, and oops. The way that you said that. The guy got pregnant too. Yeah, man, they they were both pregnant. It's a, it takes a village, right? <laughs> they both got pregnant. That's how they ended up with seven kids. <laughs> they had seven kids, so they had to split them up. Yeah. <laughs> so only a few months after their first child, she ends up pregnant again. And uh, we get the feeling that this happens for each of her children. And she states that she's had seven before turning 25. Oof. My uh, God. So Irish oh twins. My God. Yeah, so she's had a lot of, a lot of kids. Her husband ends up spurning her for her weight gain, so screw that guy, and how she looks to have aged quick in a short time. You know, again, raising seven kids. Mm-hmm. Having one literally every year. Sorry I have brought seven lives into this world. Sorry about it, man. I'm a little weakened. Which you caused, <laughs> you butthole. <Yeah. laughs> butthole. In your terrible pullout game. <laughs> right. So we find out that her husband left her, and from the time of the song, it was about a month or two ago, for a girl who looks a bit like Marilyn Monroe. So he has a type. Just a bit, clearly. Also, you'll find out through this whole thing that Miss Johnston is obsessed with Marilyn Monroe. So just kind of get used to that. (laughs) She equates everything to Marilyn Monroe's life. (laughs) Okay, sure. Everybody's got their thing, I guess. Yeah, Mm -hmm. sure. So after this, uh, we meet Miss Johnston's employer, Mrs. Lyons. And Mrs. Lyons is actually unable to conceive a child, but is desperate for one herself. She is up for adoption, but her husband, who is currently away overseas, is not. So they're kind of at an impasse there. Miss Johnston learns that she isn't just pregnant. She's pregnant with twins. Surprise. Yikes. Surprise. Nine kids. Yikes. (laughs) 
She laments to Mrs. Lyons that she can't afford to raise two more babies, where she had kind of worked it out where she could have fed the, the, the one, but two is just too much. And also she mentions like the welfare has been breathing down her neck because of all her kids, you know. So in a split second decision, Mrs. Lyons suggests that she take one of the babies. And she ends up painting a picture of how well he'd live under her care in the song My Child. And it's, you know, it's very nice and, you know, paints this fantasy so where Miss Johnson doesn't have to worry about how one of her kids is doing and he'll have a great life. And so she's kind of drawn into the fantasy. And so Miss Johnston apprehensively agrees to give up one of the twins, which is horrifying, but... Give me your baby! <laughs> it starts off innocently, you know? Yes. But uh, Mrs. Lyons has her swear on the Bible to keep the deal. Like, she's like, give me this baby. Okay. Yeah. So Miss Johnston has the twins and names them Michael, or Mickey, and Edward in 1963. She regrets having agreed to give one away. I mean, I don't know how you couldn't. And the song is easy terms, and she just is super upset. And she's like, can't I just keep them for a little while longer and just a couple more days and stuff like that. But Mrs. Lyons is like, you swore in the Bible. You gotta... Give me one of them babies. And so after giving away one of one of the babies, which she tells Mrs. Lyons not to tell her which one, she lies to the rest of her children that the second baby died and went to heaven. So she just came home with the one baby. Ruh-roh. Uh-huh. Mm. Yep. Sure. Yeah. So Miss Johnstone continues to work for the rich family, but Miss Lyons begins to feel that she's paying too much attention to the child she gave away. She fires Miss Johnstone, who in turn wants to take the baby back. Miss I mean, Lyons... Which, I mean, it's her, so that's fair, I yeah. guess. But also they had a deal, so, nah. Yeah. yeah. It's a weird situation. Mrs. Lyons offers her money, of course, but Miss Johnstone refuses. Mrs. Lyons plays into Miss Johnstone's superstitions by telling her, if twins separated at birth learn they were once one of a pair, they will both die immediately. <gasps> oh. Dun, dun, dun. Foreshadowing. Okay. And this song is Shoes Upon the Table, because that song title matches the it does for the lyrics of the song I, i'm just yeah. making fun of it because it we were it's all about anyway like, deals deals with the devil and stuff yeah. like that mrs lyons again gives money to miss johnstone who takes it and leaves which i mean yeah yeah at this point what else can you do right so it's 1970 and mickey the son of miss johnstone meets edward the other twin by chance da 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 <laughs> drama sister sister and after learning that they share the same birthday the two boys make a pact to become blood brothers with mickey calling edward eddie and so this is on the soundtrack as the clip july 18th yeah so it's not a song but it's you you hear their interaction and i like when musicals do that i do really like that yes but yeah i like that it keeps you in the action because it can be easy to miss out on moments like that if you don't get to see it so right and there's a lot of time jumps in this one so it really helps Miss Johnstone finds him and sends Eddie away, warning him not to come around again or else the boogeyman will get him. Later in the day, Mickey goes to Eddie's house. Mrs. Lyons kicks him out when she realizes he's the other twin. Her and Eddie argue about it, and Eddie swears at her. Uh, (gasps) Ah. Helping Miss Lyons to slap him, although she immediately regrets it. Which is good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, At least she feels bad about it, but she shouldn't have fit her kid. And she realizes that he actually learned to swear from Mickey. So... Uh, oops 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 meanwhile mickey is playing with some neighborhood children including his friend linda in the song kids game which this this song is is really funny to actually see played out because it's adults very much acting like children Mm -hmm. and it's hilarious (laughs) 
yeah. But it's pretty great, though. Afterwards, he takes her to see Eddie, and the three sneak off to play in the song Gypsies in the Wood. They are caught by a police officer dun, 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 uh, when they are about to throw stones through a window. Which probably shouldn't do that. Yeah, please don't do that. Don't do that, kids. Mrs. Lyons becomes worried about Eddie's friendship with Mickey, starting to believe in the superstition that she herself created. Because reasons. She decides to move and convinces her husband, who sees that she's becoming ill with worry. And Mr. Lyons also sees the effect that the poorer children are having on his son. So he's like, I guess. All these riffraff, you know. And the boys are not allowed to play together anymore. And the song is Long Sunday Afternoon slash My Friend. Uh-oh. Yeah, they get separated again. Again. When Eddie says goodbye, Miss Johnstone gives him a locket with a picture of herself and Mickey, and the boys separate. Oh. Oh. Soon afterwards, the Johnstone family are rehoused from the condemned inner city slum area of Liverpool to a new council house in the nearby overspill town of Skelmersdale. So they were given a new new house to start over. And the whole neighborhood is absolutely glad they are leaving because... This woman with eight kids just terrorizing mm-hmm. the place. <laughs> Monsters. And so Miss Johnstone dreams of a new life. This will bring them in the song Bright New Day, which if you know any song from this musical, it's this one. Yeah. <laughs> it's on every Broadway mix probably ever. It's definitely on, you know, all the ones. <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah, all the ones you listen to. Yeah, it's it's really good. And with that song, with this hopefully bright new future, but also sad undertones, well, that's the end of Act One. Woo! Intermission! Intermission! This is the intermission song. Doop! <laughs> yeah, so what do you guys think about Act One so far? Interesting. This woman needs to chill with the whole kid thing. <laughs> She's very fertile. <laughs> she must have the most childbearing hips. Yes. In existence. In existence. Actually, historically, the woman, the most kids had by one woman was 69 children. Oh, oh my God. Several sets of twins and triplets. Oh. Yikes. At that point, stop like, Stop it. <laughs> you're, I f- you're doing way more harm. Than good to your body. Yeah. Sure. Yep. Mm, no. That just makes me uncomfy to think about. Yes. Because ouch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this this musical is is very interesting, and it definitely you can already see that it's starting to introduce the concept of the nature versus nurture. Uh, you know, dilemma that's always been around, especially with twins. You know, mm-hmm. everyone's wanted to do this social experiment for sure, and yeah. it has been done, of course. But we're starting it's to see messed up, no matter which way you split it. Yeah, I mean, splitting up twins is is terrible in its own right, just in general. So yeah. Yeah, so we're starting to see a little bit of that, and I think that's a really interesting parallel. Also, fun fact about this musical, I don't know why, but when I was a kid, the narrator used to scare the heck out of me. Hmm. Really? Okay. Yeah, because the way, the way he like delivers his lines is like super foreboding and creepy, and they always have the most creepy music behind his voice. Always, yeah. I always just freaked me out when I was a kid. Hmm. Strange. Yeah, listening to it now, I'm just like, oh, you know, it's just a dude. But when I was a kid, I was just like, ah! Child used. It's a demon. It is a demon. I wonder how the dad took it when he came in and his wife has a child and he didn't consent to that. Mr. Lyons. Maybe she well, really pushed the adoption thing. No, actually, because they, they kind of mentioned that he's been overseas for a while. So she probably passed it off as her own kid. Mm. Because she mentions, 
because uh, Miss Johnson's like, can't I just keep them for a couple more days? And Mrs. Lyons like, no, my husband's going to be back tomorrow. I have to have this baby today. And so I'm pretty sure she passes it off as hers. Mm. You know? Because mm. I don't, I don't think Mr. Lyons ever finds out. Okay. That is not he just, his. He's just dumb. He just a dumb boy. Yeah. Dumb man. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, there was. He was away for a long, long time. I just have this baby. Oops. Oops. <laughs> Also, if you listen to the soundtrack, one, this is this is Mama Approved. It, I mean, I was introduced to it by her, so it better be Mama Approved. Right. <laughs> so it, it doesn't get a warning on this one. So if you listen to this one, just know that their accents are, again, very thick. And in the first song, when the husband is kind of talking, like, in the background, I don't know a word that he says. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot decipher it for the it life of you. very British. Not like the the posh, like easily understandable British, just like the super thick British. You just like what? Like the Cockney British? Yeah, kind of. It's thick. <laughs> so just know that going into this one. Uh, okay, Kylie, how about you give us our theater fact? Okie dokie. At the New Amsterdam Theater in New York, there hangs a portrait of a beautiful girl backstage near the exit. It's a portrait of Ziegfeld girl. Olive Thomas, who died young of accidental mercury poisoning in 1920. It is said that she still haunts the theater she performed in, and the portrait was hung to encourage everyone to say goodbye to her as they left to alleviate some of her shenanigans. And the Bag of Bones episode 16 actually goes further into this detail about her if you're interested in her story. Yep. Bag of Bones just covered her, and she she actually is really beautiful even by today's standards, so that's kind of interesting. But also very spooky. Very spooky. And also, so she, her ghost has been known to uh, pinch the butts of men. <laughs> yeah, she's a she's a big shenanigan starter. So they started hanging portraits and it got like so bad. The the head of the Disney troupe, which owns the th- that current theater, had to call their boss at 2.30 in the morning. And was like, listen, there's some sh- shit going down and it's spooky. And so they're hope to fix this was if they pay more attention to her she'll stop acting out kind of thing so i think her portraits hung in not just the backstage i think it's hung in a couple different places so anytime someone leaves the theater they have to say goodbye to her at least though it's shenanigans and not like yeah it's not murder not like haunting yeah, yeah. murder or something yeah it's just she, a ghost it's like i'm just gonna get some butts yeah just gonna get some butts and like she'll whisper to people backstage and and blow on them and stuff so it's it's not something not too crazy but she still wants the limelight as it were <laughs> Yeah. Hello, Mama. <laughs> Let me whisper in here. <laughs> Let me get the butt. <laughs> yeah, so definitely definitely learn more about her because uh, her life is an interesting one. Yeah, so super neat theater fact. So uh, for a bit of our promotional chunk here, we do want to remind you that we do have merch available now, which is super awesome. Whoop, whoop. Woo! You can find that at www.ragtagnetwork.com slash merch. And so that is super cool. It's super soft and comfy, and the designs come out real slick, and I'm real proud of them. So yes. go check those out. It's super neat. And I think we will be having another sale possibly in a couple weeks, so just keep your eye out for that one. I'm not 100% sure on that, but jump on those when you can. And hey, the one customer review in, they're pretty comfy. Pretty darn comfy. Thanks, mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she sent me pictures of her merch, and so she's super excited about those. And ours should be in soon. Looking forward to those. Hey, be looking for the photo shoot over at our Twitter at, what is it, Amber? Save an aisle seat. Yay! 
pictures and hashtags. That's what you're signing up for. <laughs> yeah, we will definitely post pictures of our merch and our little photo shoot. So look out for those. Uh, another couple of announcements we do want to mention. We will be having a couple shows come up this year. Uh, I believe our newest one, which is not officially titled, will be coming out mid-February, I believe. So keep your eye out for that one. I will have more information on our next episode and to give you guys. So just keep your eye out for that. And for updates on that, you can either just go to our website, which is www.ragtagnetwork.com, or you can find us at Ragtag Network on Twitter. I will post stuff about that when I get more information. Also, we are super excited. We are getting closer and closer to our one-year anniversary. Yes, and now that pops up on February 6th, so I think we'll be doing something special for that, either on the the Thursday before, because we should come out on Thursdays, or the Thursday after. We haven't quite nailed that down, but we will have more information for you guys soon. We're looking forward to giving you something fancy, though, for our special one-year anniversary. Heck yeah. Yeah. Okay, I think that is it for our our stuff, our intermission stuff, so how about we... To move to a different city... Change zip codes into Act 2. Sure. Yeah, zip codes. Okay. Okay. Give birth no. to Act um, No. Nope. Let's start a new life in Act 2. There you go. Oh, like that? Yeah. Yeah. Start a, start a new life in Act 2. It's not as bad as mine, so. Mm-mm. Not quite. Miss Johnstone gives a rundown of how their lives have been going in their seven years at the new place. So another big time jump here. So she mentions things like how the mailman now takes her out dancing, and Sammy, one of the sons, burnt the school down, uh, but only got probation because the judge said she reminded him of Marilyn Monroe. Oh. Mickey is at the age of 14, where he's interested in girls, but is too embarrassed to admit it. You know how it goes. Yep. And she also mentions how her other children have gone and moved away and started families of their own and stuff like that. And this all happens in the song Interact slash Marilyn Monroe 2. So we learn that Mickey has a crush on Linda, who is interested in him too, but they don't really know how to act towards each other, because again, they're 14, so I mean, like, yeah. But both of them are suspended for insulting a teacher. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That teacher deserved it. Deserved a square. Deserved a square. Sure. So meanwhile, Eddie is suspended from his boarding school for refusing to give up his locket to a teacher. Aw. And he even refuses to tell his mother about it, even after she sees pictures of it. So she knows it exists, but he refuses to tell her what it is. And apparently he, like, has always been wearing it. And the song is Secrets. He even alludes to, like, don't you have secrets too? And she's just like, ah! You are the (laughs) secret! Triggered! (laughs) So Eddie and Mickey end up bumping into each other in a field, but don't initially recognize each other. Because it's, you know, been a hot second. And they each want to be like the other in the song That Guy. And it's really funny because they're making like comparisons to each other about themselves, but they're both saying like the same things about the other. So they're not identical twins, but they they have the same genes. So he's like, I wish my hair color was the same as his. Mine's like a muddy brown instead of like this other fancy color for brown. It's like, guys, you, you're the same color. Mm-hmm. And it's really funny. You know, you know, kids comparing themselves. And they do eventually realize who the other is and they become friends again. So yay. Twins reunited. Woo. Woo. Mrs. Lyons confronts Miss Johnstone, accusing her that she's followed their family to stay close to Edward, which does seem real shady, because mm-hmm. they're, they're again, pretty close, but it's been seven years, my dude. 
Mrs. Lyons flies into a rage and tries to kill Miss Johnstone. Oh, attack. Yeah, but uh, she's- This woman's crazy. She mm-hmm. is not so. But she's stopped and runs away. <laughs> then we are given a narrator song that explains more passing of time in the song Summer Sequence. So this kind of goes through their friendships together, including with Linda, and how they grow into like adults, like 18-year-old and stuff like that. And so that's a it's a it's a neat little one. Four years later, an 18-year-old Eddie realizes he has feelings for Linda, but refuses to say anything because he knows Mickey also likes her. In the song, I'm not saying a word. Which is really nice of him. Bromo. Yes. Clearly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> Eddie leaves for university, but before he goes, he encourages Mickey to ask Linda out. While Eddie is away, Linda becomes pregnant. Yeah. More babies. Babies. Uh, and she and Mickey are married, and they move in with Miss Johnstone in the song One Day in October. Babies. Mickey, unfortunately, is fired from his factory job due to the 1981 recession, which forces him into welfare shortly before Christmas. This is the song Take a Letter, Miss Jones, which for some reason isn't playable on Spotify, but it exists. Yeah, it's there, but it's not there. Like, it shows up, but you can't hit play on it, and I don't know why. That's really weird. Yeah. I don't know. But it exists. So Eddie returns at Christmas, ready to party and have fun. And of course, Mickey now realizes they are very different. And after an argument, they actually part ways. Mickey is persuaded to help his brother Sammy in a robbery to earn money for Linda and the baby. Mm, Sammy, no. Because that's a good idea. Sammy's like the worst brother. (laughs) And of course, the robbery goes wrong. And he becomes an accessory to a murder committed by Sammy. Oh. In the song, The Robbery. And he is sentenced to seven years in prison. Dang it, Sammy. A lot of sevens happening here. There's a lot of sevens happening. But not in a lucky way. No. So while in prison, Mickey is diagnosed as chronically depressed, which sucks. Yeah. Mega sad. I mean, after all he's been through, yeah. Yeah. He ends up being released early on a good behavior, but he is still pretty dependent on antidepressants. And so he becomes withdrawn and turns away from Linda in the song Marilyn Monroe 3. And Linda, unable to convince him to get off his antidepressants, contacts Eddie. Which I, I understand, especially for like the 60s, the stigma yeah. for drugs and depression stuff. He It also, in the way the, the story makes it sound, like he is like a drug addict, not necessarily for his depression. He just relies on them because it makes him feel less bad, but also he's so dependent on on, on them. as It is an addiction. So. I was about to say, like, you don't really hear the whole lot of stories of being like, oh, I'm addicted to antidepressants. Yeah. So I think... It's like, what? So I think in this regard there was something... I mean, it was, again, like, well, the 60s. Well, now the 70s. So it probably wasn't the best kind of drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Eddie, who is now a counselor, gets them their own house and Mickey a job. Linda still worries about Mickey and meets up with Eddie to kind of, like, talk things over and things like that. Mrs. Lyons sees them together and tells Mickey about it for some reason, because she's, again, a crazy person, uh. and implies that the two are having an affair. So what? I don't understand her reasoning okay. for this. Yeah. yeah. She's just, I don't know. Mickey, distraught about the alleged affair, obviously, mm-hmm. grabs the gun that Sammy had hid before he was arrested and storms down to the council offices to confront Eddie. And this song is Light Romance and Madman. They are two separate songs, but for some reason, Spotify lumped these two together. Hmm. So Light Romance is more about Linda and Eddie not really having an affair, but having one of those like mental affairs, you know? 
You know, like she's relying on him. Emotional? Yeah, it's an emotional affair for sure. But Eddie is giving a speech when Mickey storms in with a gun. So, yikers. Mickey asks why Eddie would take away the one good thing that Mickey had, which means Linda, of course. Eddie denies the affair, and the police enter, demanding Mickey put down the gun. And somehow, Miss Johnston rushes in, because she, I guess, heard about it. And in an attempt to stop Mickey from shooting, blurts out that Eddie is his brother. And this is when both twins learn the truth. That, you know, she had to give one of them away. Mickey despairs that he should have been the one given away, so he could have had the life Eddie had. And Mickey carelessly gestures the gun towards Eddie, and the gun goes off, killing Eddie. Mm-hmm. And the police fire, killing Mickey. And the song is The Council Chamber. So this brings Mrs. Lyon's superstition to life. They both found out they were separated, and they both died that day. And the narrator questions whether class was more to blame than the superstition, as Mrs. Johnstone laments the loss of both of her sons, and the song is Tell Me It's Not True, which is also one of the most classic songs from this show. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go, this is a kind of wild theory. Uh, I think it has something to do with the crazy lady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I second mean... that. Yeah. I might be crazy for calling that. Mrs. Lyons definitely stirred the pot. Stirred the pot. For no real reason other than I guess she wanted to make Mickey's life more miserable. I don't really know the point of that. She, like, wanted to make Miss Johnstone's life more miserable. Yeah. yeah. By taking, like, making her twin right. upset. Yeah. I... Yeah. Mrs. Lyons is one of those characters that, like, slowly devolves into madness and you're just like, why? Mm-hmm. It's well. It's it's over a she long seemed, twenty years. She seemed pretty crazy right from the get go. She did what some other lady's baby, and immediately made up a superstition about it. Oops. Yeah. But, so. Oh well. Oops. Yeah, it's a big oopsie. So both of the twins died, and it's it's very sad. And it and again, it brings the call the nature versus nurture. Yeah. You know, one twin did have a really good life, and the other one didn't so much, but not necessarily because of his upbringing. Just a lot of stuff kept happening, you know? Yeah. It's very interesting. It is, it is a very sad story. A sad musical. Yeah, I definitely hate this. Like, I understand it from a story perspective. Don't get me wrong. But I just hate that this ends this way. Like, yeah. Just, like, I, like, got chills as we got to this ending because I was like, here we go. <laughs> like, I don't know. You man. know what's happening. It's super sad boy hour, and I just hate it. Like, they didn't deserve that. They really didn't. And I do... To add more more hurt to it, I, I'm going to read off what the narrator the narrator's last comment about the whole thing, which is the last chunk of the the musical. And he says, "So did you ever hear the tale of the Johnston twins? As like each other, two new pins. How one was kept, one given away. They were born and they died on the self same day, which is also how the musical opened. Mm-hmm. Mm. So it's yeah, super depressing. And again, they they didn't deserve that. They could have had a very normal life and it sucks that also a girl got between them and she didn't know, you know. Yeah. I don't think yeah, I don't think she was like the bad person. Oh this. no. Yeah, she didn't she definitely didn't mean to start anything. Yeah. Yeah, she just she just really wanted to help cuz she was in love with Mickey. She really wanted to help Mickey. And... But like she was even friends with them back when they were like real little. So she had this very long relationship in a way with Eddie as well. So it's right. not like Yeah. You can't yeah. fault her for being close. And trying to find some comfort in a friend. Right. Yeah. Mrs. Lyons like, no, it's a, it's a fair. Meh. 
I hate everyone. <laughs> Pretty much. Because <laughs> I can't have babies, basically. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that sucks for her, but... Yeah. Shouldn't turn you into a, a psycho. She didn't have to... Yeah, she didn't have to be this terrible. <laughs> nope. Right. Being terrible for the sake of being terrible, basically. I also like in this story the parallels of, like, people wanting what they don't have. So, like, yeah. the super mm-hmm. pampered rich person wanting just, like, oh, the simple life Normal and life. wanting to be more, like... Mickey, and then Mickey's obviously like, oh, I want what his life is. Yeah, it it is funny, because they, they do that a lot through the show. They're like, I wish I was more like you, and I wish I could have what you have. And when Eddie starts to fall in love with Linda, he's like, if I was him, I would do these things. But I'm not, so I'm not going to. And it just continues throughout their entire life, which is real sucky for them. Yeah. <sighs> it's real sad. Sad boy hours. I also sure. feel like... In some way, like, if you do that experiment, like, twins are almost always going to be... I feel like they're almost always going to find each other at some point. Yeah, they generally do. You know, you still hear the stories today that twins find each other, that they were, like, separated from adoption. Mm-hmm. And they, they'll, they find each other. It's just... I don't know. It's a, it's a neat a neat thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Drawn together. Oh, cool. Twins are fascinating. Yes. Yes. True. Well, a fun fact, you guys, there is an alternate ending to this <gasps> musical. Ooh. Not It's not necessarily, yeah, it's not less sad. <laughs> oh, that's a bummer. But yeah. I like it a little better, and I'll explain why in a minute. Yeah. So the ending plays out a little differently where, so Mickey actually brings a fake gun to the whole affair thing, or the whole uh, shindig. So Miss Johnstone rushes to stop him and tells him the truth. And this actually provokes Mrs. Lyons to attempt to shoot Mickey so that she can keep her child. And Eddie jumps in front and takes the bullet. And so then Mrs. Lyons shoots Mickey in a rage. So in this one, Mrs. Lyons is so she just continues to be crazy, which is weird. But I like that the brothers don't shoot each other. Like, yeah, yeah. I know Mickey accidentally gestures the gun, but like for one brother to kill another, like that, that hurts. And so like at least in this alternate version, they. That doesn't happen, but they still both die, so... Yeah, I feel like this more represents that, like, Mickey, since he had a fake gun, just wanted to get his anger out, not actually cause any harm. Yeah. And I think, like, if you watch, like, the show, you're not supposed to know if Mickey shot on purpose. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's it's never really implied. Like, the one I, I saw, like, it was, he, like, more, he was more, like, forcefully... Like with using the gun. it as like a point, yeah, like pointing with it, and the gun went off. Whether or not, again, it was on purpose. Yeah. But Which you hear stories about that kind of stuff all the time, mm-hmm. right? It was you know just for show, but it went off, and and like his 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 last line, which has always been heartbreaking to me, is like, uh, "I should have been him," mm-hmm. you know, and it's just like, "Oh God, you poor baby!" Like if you know if you just figured it out you know you would have been fine you don't need to be this other person you just need to figure yourself out super depressing (laughs) yep yeah i I really enjoy this musical because of like the emotional ties to it and you do see this musical from the majority point of mrs miss johnstone relating what happened to her sons Mm -hmm. so a lot of the songs are her singing it and her telling the story which i think sad adds yeah adds more of a heartbreak to it especially when her last song is just like sob worthy because <laughs> <laughs> she ended up losing both of her sons even literally she everything yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's crazy but i i really enjoy the show what about you guys what do you think about it sad yeah sad. Mucho sad <laughs> mm-hmm. oh yeah it's sad not one i would just 
listen to on like yeah. a random day. But I can see where this is like, considering we've spent this much time talking it over, like that's quality right. theater. Like it gets you yes. thinking. Like it, the whole like human condition, the nature versus nurture, the the like deep seated like morals here, like that. And that's not the word I'm looking for. Envy and jealousy like, and yeah, like it really gets you thinking, and you really engage with it. Yeah, I like shows that that leave you with questions yeah. at the end, and not just the what the heck did what, I just what, watch? Right. Why was that's this created? <laughs> Instead, it's well, how what about if? this? And yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, what if they had never been separated, or what if they had met under different circumstances? Yeah. You know, what if Mrs. Lyons wasn't such a psycho? Yeah, she's the true villain in she this. She is, story. well, yeah, yeah, especially in that alternate ending. <laughs> right, she is uh, truly a villain in the alternate ending. Yeah, it's. Has anyone else seen this one on stage? No, or is it just me? Nope. I have no. No. No, it's just me. Just yeah. So, fun fact about seeing this one. It was presented at my aunt had a dinner theater in Arkansas, and she she put this one on. I think a couple times. Uh, I remember seeing it twice, I believe. And this was a it was always a hit, obviously. And I, I remember it fairly vividly seeing this one on stage and really enjoying it, even as a, a kid. Uh, it's it's just super powerful to see on stage. Mm-hmm. And my aunt actually played uh, Miss Johnston, gotcha. so yeah, it's pretty cool. It's a good. It was a good show, and the narrator they picked, uh, he was a really cool guy. I really liked him. Ooh. Deep bass voice. Yeah, yeah. I can see how a show like this would rely on that powerful narrator. Like, if you don't have the right person in the role, yeah. it can be a flop. Yeah, and they do. They do. They, there's a long list of people that have been narrators, and uh, an interesting fact I didn't really put in the background, but it, there's a common theme that the role of of Miss Johnstone is played by like pop stars. And it was usually like British pop stars. Oh. I don't know their reasoning behind it, but it was always a role for them. Interesting. So hmm. they were, yeah. So they were, it was most commonly played by, you know, really powerful singers, I guess. Yeah. Because, yeah. I imagine she's got some pretty, pretty big, big notes. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. So this one, yeah, definitely has a, uh, it's definitely on a, a list for a lot of people to be a part of. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah. Anyone got any final thoughts about this one? Set. Yeah. <laughs> listen to it at your own risk, but listen to it. Yeah, it's definitely definitely listen to this one. It is really good. But yeah, no, it, it is it is pretty sad. It doesn't have a bright shiny ending at the end of there. But it is well worth the listen. And go see it. Go see it if it's available to you. Yeah, may- maybe don't leave this one for a dreary winter day. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. Unless you're just in the the sad person hours. Yeah, if you want to be sad, go ahead. <laughs> I could really go for a cry today. <laughs> yeah, it's it's got a couple like higher higher energy songs in it, which are fun. But even like the opening the opening song, which is pretty high and she's talking about, you know, how she got all of her kids, and there's still like that undertone of my husband left me because I'm not pretty anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. So it's it's a good show though. I do I do recommend. Okay, so I think that will wrap up this so thanks for listening to this episode. So we do have a couple points. We, we did go over some of them in the intermission, but we do always want to remind you about how to help us and support us and things like that. So, hey, did you guys know that we are found on most places that have podcasts? <gasps> are we? Yes. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> so we would really appreciate 
If you like and subscribe to our show, wherever it is that you are listening to these podcasts, if you subscribe, you'll get a notification every time one of our episodes go up so that we don't miss anything. Get all these hot takes, hot these takes. fresh, scalding takes. The fresh tears of sadness on, from on this. Sadness. <laughs> um, but no, we, we would really appreciate it. It just helps our channel grow and uh, we can start getting more content out to you guys. And if you're on Apple or an iTunes user, please leave us a five-star review. It helps boost us up in the numbers. Heck yeah. And we, we like the numbers. We like, like reviews. <laughs> I like reading them. They're fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As always, the best way to help us is via word of mouth. So please go ahead and tell your friends and family and workers and anybody who will listen. Be like, hey, I got a real sad show for you. Maybe <laughs> don't open up with this one. Uh, Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe pick a different one. But yeah, it helps to get us to a wider audience. And, you know, if people are talking about us, then people get interested in all that stuff. So it's, it is really important. And of course, I know that you'd like to reach out to us because we're super we're cool and you would love to chat with us. So best way to do that is to email us at savemeanisleseat at gmail.com. Or you can actually tweet us, aka tweet me. Definitely. At <laughs> save an aisle seat. Uh, you can also just generally post on Twitter and you can use the hashtags S-M-A-A-S or hashtag save me an aisle seat and we'll see your post. Maybe give you a shout out on our episode. Chat with us about anything. Yeah. Share some memes. Share some hashtags. Give me a theater fact. There's a show you want us to cover. Suggest it. We'll try to fit it in. Anything. Reach out. We're here. Yeah, we, we really love that audience interaction. So reach out to us. Especially memes. We all love memes. Yes, I love mm-hmm. memes so much. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. So please definitely reach out to us. I'll, obviously, for more shows like this one, uh, like Matt and I are on a show called Total Tom Foolery, which is about D&D. We just got into our second season a couple episodes ago. So that's super cool. We're having a great time with that. So if you really like listening to us be weird, we got you. Also, we have Bag of Bones, which is a show that's produced by my mother. It's about historical like the dark hidden underbelly of the historical world, which we did mention on uh, this on this episode and the past episode. So you can find her episodes on our website as well, which is www.ragtechnetwork.com. That's also the best place to keep notified about our upcoming projects and things like that. And just announcements I'll post like on, on the homepage if anything else is coming up. So it's the best way to keep kind of, kind of uh, track of everything like that. And also, if you do like seeing more information about the shows that we put out, I do put out a blog post, which uh, just kind of highlights uh, some pictures from the show. So that's kind of fun if you want like a little back scene. I try and find pictures from different productions. So that's kind of fun. So go ahead and check that out. I believe that is everything that we have for this week. So thanks so much for listening to this episode of Save Me and I'll see you guys. We will catch you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Save Me an Aisle Seat. We do this show for fun, but if you'd like to support us, you can check out our Ko-Fi at www.ko-fi.com slash ragtagnetwork. For more episodes and shows like this, go to our website at www.ragtagnetwork.com. This show is brought to you by the Ragtag Network.